Hello and welcome to the Insurance 2025 podcast with me, Scott McGee, Online Content Manager at Insurance Times. I'm here joined by Charles Smith, the CEO and founder of Collision Management Systems. Uh, Charles will be giving a tech presentation at Insurance 2025 on the 3rd of July. Thank you very much for joining me, Charles. Hello. Um, we'll dive straight in with the questions. Your yep. company really focuses on telematics. So my first question is, what current state is telematics in at the moment? Um, I think telematics is in, it's in pretty rude health to an extent. Um, I'd say that it's probably hit a bit of a plateau in the sense that uh, personal lines really is still very much restricted to young drivers and, and frankly isn't really going to get outside of that until um, some fundamentals start to change in, in, in the industry. Um, commercial lines has still got a lot of learning to do, particularly with the insurance telematics models. Um, and obviously we've got a view on, on what those things mm. are and what they need to be. Um, but yeah, I think there's a, there's a very good foundation, but there is some very big changes that, that need to still happen in the industry for this to really start to become a mainstream piece of technology. What sort of things? I think the fundamental problem that people need to get over is the box to start with. Um, you know, at the end of the day, insurance companies are stuck with having to fund a piece of hardware. That brings a whole load of logistics challenges with it. It brings a whole load of funding challenges with it. Um, but it's set against that. You've got to reconcile the, the reality that cars aren't connected and they're not producing data yet for uh, insurers to use in the personal lines world. There are companies that do it quite well, would you yeah. agree? Oh yeah, no, there, there are loads of companies and that's why I think I say there's a really good foundation. Yeah. So where there is where the economics stack up for uh, insurance companies to fund hardware, and, and, and that's not the world that we get in, so we, we don't get involved in the funding of the hardware or, or delivering any hardware, but where that does occur, um, there is some really good solutions out there. But I think for insurance companies in personal lines and equally in commercial lines to become to start to use telematics data on a mainstream basis they have to start to use data from stuff that's already in there basically mm. so how far behind is commercial lines in terms of the telematics to personal um you hear a lot more about telematics in personal lines yeah i i think uh my personal view is that actually commercial lines is probably going to overtake personal okay. um, because there is going to be a very big lag in personal lines where you know insurers cannot get much more market penetration until uh, people's cars become connected and the motor manufacturers start to decide how they're going to make that data available uh, but in commercial lines you know you've already got probably you know mid 80s of vehicles out there in the commercial space that are already connected um, via retrofit telematics so by that right actually commercial lines has an opportunity to start to use data on mass mm -hmm. and actually in a large proportion of their book and, and I mean our view is that actually commercial lines is the perfect shop window for any personal lines insurer looking to try and work out how does telematics work as a mainstream proposition. Okay, so if commercial lines use telematics, you know, to to give themselves 
you know, say say a company's got a fleet and uh, they're they're bringing all all that data in. Who's Whose data is that? Because I know that's a that's a huge argument that's kind of running around the industry at the moment. You know, people are saying, is it the uh, manufacturer of the vehicles' uh, data? Is it the uh, insurers' data? Is it the telematics companies' data? You know, who's, who's built the hardware, or is it ultimately the policyholders' data? Um, okay, I might be oversimplifying this, but in my mind, it's very simple. The customer owns the data. Now, the, the nuance is that uh, when you buy your new snazzy car uh, and even some of the modern cars today, you generally sign a little form that says that whoever the motor manufacturer is is going to use some data from your vehicle to improve their product, etc., etc. So I think whilst the customer owns the data, the customer cannot force the motor manufacturer to give the data to an insurance company. Um, you could go through a whole probably elongated mm. process to request your personal data under GDPR, but clearly that doesn't work as a commercial viable proposition. No. Um, that would be a bit that'd be a bit bonkers. But you you do you, ultimately the motor manufacturer does control who they give that data to. Um, now the customer will ultimately be able to say, "I don't want that data made available." Yeah. Um, but the motor manufacturer on the flip side is the one who's going to be able to say, okay, Mr. Customer, you can now make this data available to these people if you would like. Um, and it's that conduit that hasn't yet been worked out, frankly, because the motor manufacturers haven't yet worked out how they're going to monetize the data. Is there any, is there any way a manufacturer can give um, anonymous data? Um, you know, they don't have to say... You know, for example, Charles Smith uh, drives like this. They could just say that a you know mid twenties, late twenties uh, male from wherever uh, we've seen this um, on our books. You know, that this drive, these driving habits and stuff like that. Uh, it's it's a very interesting one. I mean, theoretically, they could. Mm -hmm. um, the question comes down to how much of the data are the motor manufacturers storing and for how long. I mean, for example, I do know one motor manufacturer that records in what weather conditions people open and close sunroofs and how often they open and close those sunroofs because they want to inform their own product strategy as to whether to whether to put sunroofs on future models of those vehicles. Mm. Um, that is them collecting anonymized data en masse about, about drivers and, and certain driving habits. Yeah. Um, there's nothing to stop them extending that further and to start for motor manufacturers to start going into the world of market data um, if I'm honest, I think that all just forms part of what motor manufacturers are trying to wrestle with at the moment. I mean, you know, the reality is technically, from a technical standpoint, it's not too challenging for the motor manufacturers to make the data available. The problem is all the legal, commercial aspects that they're yeah. still having to work out to decide how they're going to make that data available. Okay. So you mentioned... We've spoken a little bit about where telematics is going. Um, kind of, so at the moment, there's still this stigma attached to, to telematics. You know, people think it's people think it's a box that you. Mm -hmm. But that there have been other means. So some, you know, some where it's a plug-in to the cigarette lighter or something yeah. like that. Um, but 
is there is there a third option which you know could be could be um, where these manufacturers are just simply giving the data does it need to be standardized does it need to be um, does, does another does the government maybe have to step in to to make make the difference um, I think ultimately motor manufacturers are going to start to make the data available from in the car mm-hmm. um, because if you consider where the market is at the moment, insurers, if take, let's just take personal lines as an example and compare it with commercial to, to answer yeah. your question. Personal lines, insurers are having to be still relatively draconian with their insurance telematics models because they have to to justify um, the funding that, of the hardware that they're having to do, the discounts that they're having to provide, etc., etc. And obviously they're trying to uh, make that more palatable with vouchers and all sorts of yeah. nice shiny things. Um, if you compare that with, say, commercial lines where you've already got devices in the vehicles, they're already producing lots of data, it's just a matter of the insurance companies not actually using that data mm-hmm. um, largely and, and en masse, um, it gives a much greater opportunity for insurers to start to use that data to genuinely add value-add services back to the customer. Um, and I think that's where insurance telematics is going to become really successful is through insurers not having to really justify the you know a, a what is in the relative to their premium a significant outlay mm. just to make ends meet basically they you know they need to focus on delivering more value add services um, and, and I think that's where the motor manufacturers are going to come to play and, and, and open up that market much more for personal lines. Uh, you, your challenge will always be standardization. I mean, I would not I would say to anyone, do not be under any illusion that just because motor manufacturers are going to start producing the data, it's all suddenly going to be nice and neat and everyone's going to get along. Mm. It's going to be quite the opposite. The, the devices that are going in to vehicles now in the factory are being manufactured by exactly the same companies that are manufacturing the retrofit devices. Mm. They're just being fitted in the factory. It's it's no different. Could this be quite a scary scenario for for insurers that that um, focus on telematics? Uh, you know, because if if a manufacturer is starting to input the telematics device into the model already, what's to stop them? from creating their own insurance product on the basis of that and just putting Absolutely. it as, a, as an add-on. You know, like uh, what Tesla's apparently yep. uh, going, going to start doing with Markel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, no, th- that's exact, that, there's nothing to stop the motor manufacturer going upstream, to be honest. And I think that's where, when you look at some of the more innovative insurance companies, they are starting to get quite heavily involved with the motor manufacturers to start to provide that insurance with the vehicle. Because yeah. one thing you've got to, I suppose we've got to also recognize is that motor manufacturers don't necessarily have the insurance expertise that exists, particularly in London. I mean, you know, London is still seen as a, an absolute epicenter of worldwide expertise, particularly, you know, in motor. Mm. Um, so motor manufacturers will look to the insurance markets to help them with pricing and underwriting and all that sort of stuff. Um, 
But I think unless the motor, uh, motor insurers are prepared to really embrace that and really embrace this kind of mainstream idea, which of, of just using any data from any vehicle, which does come with a whole series of additional technology challenges, the motor manufacturers will just get to a point where they go, well, do you know what? Fine, we'll just do this ourselves. Um, and and that, that will create an interesting dynamic. This might not go in. <laughs> I'll ask it anyway. Um, <laughs> what? Sorry. Shouting there. Um, don't worry, I'll cut this out. What can this mean for you guys? Uh, for I mean, does would that scenario affect you guys and the business that you do? Um, I mean, look, we're, we're advocating this. One, because yeah. I believe that insurance telematics brings an opportunity to deliver so many benefits to a driver and I'm not talking about I'd say some of the more superfluous things that I've seen in the market which is you know maybe a, a five pound Amazon voucher or um, mm. you know sort of will you know we'll, we'll tell you where your, your car's parked or something like that which I think is probably at the slightly thinner end of, of value adds to the customers but I think if you if you get to a stage where vehicles are truly connected and I'm not talking about autonomous I'm not talking about going that far I'm just talking about vehicles are connected the data is available the data is gathered and standardized and made properly available to the insurance market to use if you think about everything from forget pricing for a second if you just think about everything from claims from helping a driver in need from being able to actually start to give the driver you know even potentially real-time feedback and things like that about their driving habits and things. Mm. They're the things that we've seen already done in commercial lines and make a very big difference to an insurance company's profile and, and, and profitability, but equally have a very fundamental difference to the drivers. You know, we've seen drivers come back and letters of from even wives saying, you've made my husband a better driver because you've banged onto him so much about safer driving and distance to vehicle in front and things like that yeah. you can only start to do that on mass if you start to have the data available on mass and you know you just got to look at adas you know coming in in retrofit systems in commercial and, and how much of an impact it's making on the way that drivers behave mm. and their outlook on the roads it it does make a fundamental difference and you can you can genuinely start to offer value-add services so I'd advocate it from that perspective clearly you know we're trying to deliver technology that enables insurers to do exactly that so of course we'd advocate it okay. um, so speaking at insurance 2025 on the 3rd of July you're giving a presentation in the tech stream in the mm -hmm. afternoon um, what can Event goers expect from from your presentation. Are you bringing any surprises along with you? Um, I, I'm I'm sure I'll bring a surprise or two along with me. Um, I think for us, it, it's it's I suppose more of a similar theme to what we've just spoken about today. To be honest, um, I'm very keen on uh, sort of maybe pairing back the murky world of insurance telematics. I think. Uh, the market is full of people overcomplicating it. Um, we, we view it as something that actually, at a fundamental level, is relatively simple. And, and I suppose what we're going to try to do is also 
show how all the different models in the market that everyone's trying to talk about and how clever they are actually boil back down to about three or four ultimately different models and actually where we think the kind of zero point of where everyone's pretty much going to end up is and what's going to make that happen faster and what's going to make it happen slower um I can't necessarily tell you how fast or slow it's going to happen. There's, there's a lot. There's a lot of uncertainty. More, more uncertainty than the B word, which uh, I'm not allowed to say. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah. That that's really, I suppose, what we're going to try and talk about and keep as much jargon out of it as possible. To be honest. Okay. Fair enough. Um, well, thank you very much. No worries. Um, I just. Um, Uh, you can catch uh, Charles Smith uh, speaking at Insurance 2025 on the 3rd of July at the ETC venues in St Paul's. Um, Charles, thank you very much for joining me. No worries. Uh, and uh, see you at Insurance 2025. Thank yeah, you looking very forward much. to it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah.